Welcome to our podcast. We have a very special guest with us who is a filmmaker and has made some amazing movies. So welcome to the show, Orlando. How are you today? Well, thank you, Orlando, for having me after uh, a year and a half. So welcome everyone to join us in this uh, broadcast today. Yes, yes. Th thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And thanks, thank you for coming back. Um, we'll, we're going to talk about how your projects are going. So let's start by asking, uh, what made you want to be a filmmaker, Orlando? When did you first uh, start liking it? Um, it, it was mostly a self-discovery uh, process. I, it, all the elements were when I was a kid. Uh, mostly, like, uh, my parents used to rent uh, beta tapes or VHS tapes in the stores in the city, because I grew up in the 80s, as you know. And I remember, like, things like, I think there was a theater in my city in Pereira, where I have this big picture of James Stewart, the big camera, and the movie was called The Boyerist in Spanish, El Boyerista, but the movie's Rear Window. And I was very impacted by that picture. I remember the picture going to this theater and this place in my city. And um, I recently rewrote my biography. Um, and for the first time, I felt like, okay, this is me. This is who I am. Basically, My whole life, as I was a kid, I've been self-learning. I have to learn to everything that I've done. I have to self. Nobody. Yes, I learned from some people, but I self-learned. So around age 12, my mom went to the states and she started uh, sending us some some uh, equipment, some cameras. And so I remember she particularly took two cameras. I, at the time, it was a VHS camera. Uh, I, the first thing that I record was my sister's um, first communion. She was 10 years old or eight, and I was probably 15. So I got this camera, and I have to figure out how to how it works. So I, I, nobody told me. I just learned by myself. So I have that, and then we have a Sony that my dad pounded. <laughs> so my dad found the camera after that. I was like, what is the camera? I don't know. I have to put in money. So we have to pound. My dad pounded the camera. I remember it was Sony, but I learned how to do videos and trickery and stuff like that. And then uh, I experimented with um, with handicaps and that kind of stuff. My mother sent me those and to make videos for the university. And then I forgot about that, had life. And um, later, around 2015, uh, somebody, uh, I met a guy called Wayne Shackwit uh, in a gym that I used to I work in the fitness industry. And uh, this guy mentioned basically that he wanted to make a film in my gym. Like you have all these walls and cool stuff. Like, oh, yeah, I'll make a film. And I've always been writing things. Uh, always been writing in the bus, like believing when I was a kid to write. I remember a particular experience in the States. I was traveling from Colorado. I was living in Colorado in a place called Steamboat Springs and going to Miami. So it was like three days in the, the Greyhound bus, which is the bus in the United States. So traveling to this place, I started writing stories. I wrote a story called Reincarnation, that actually just filmed in November, like a little piece of it. So I, I wrote it and I, I, I shoot it in Japan. I was in Japan in November. So we shot that with my Japanese friends, with samurai actors. So I actually make it happen, made it happen. So things like that. And then I didn't do it in my films and that kind of stuff. And that's where we are right now. All right, that's really cool. That's really, and when you say your mom sent you a camera, Where did she send them from? She 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 left. So, so what happened? We have a my my child. My upbringing was a, 
as a lot of families at the time in Colombia. My parents, you see, my parents grew up in this culture of my mom got married when she was 14, my dad was 19. So it, it was a very kind of when you're young, you don't know what you do or what you build. So they didn't, the, the relationship with my, my parents didn't work. And then my mom left to the States and things, you know. So she starts sending all these things, you know, clothing from Miami. She lived in New York and then she moved to Miami later. But she starts sending all the equipment. All right, all she right. She starts sending all these big cameras and a lot oh. camera experimenting with, with that. Oh, all right, all right, very good. It's clear now. How do you make movies? Where do you get the ideas from, and how do you turn them into into finished uh, films? Okay, yeah. So it's a like the first thing that I call the what if process, right? So it happened to me many times that I come with a what if, what I call a what if. Because I, somebody talks to me about, okay, I have this problem. I have, so I see this kind of like shining idea, and then I have a what if, uh, an epiphany, uh, what happened in their head. So, but a lot of, to get this, what you see in the back is my studio. I have a studio, my computer, so I, all, all my movies here in my studio. I have all the studio gear and I kind of stuff the camera and kind of stuff in here. So, to, but to get here, it, there was a process, right? Because I didn't know nothing. So, well, I have some idea, but I didn't know about framing, camera, lights, uh, all those items that the cameras have that you have to work with. But I have to learn by myself. And then when I get the and what if thing, and it's, it, it is something. So the what if that I, that I just finished right now, like the stuff that you see in the back, is two prints that I just submitted to festivals. So when I get that what if idea that I found interesting to do, I start making, I have a process that I develop my own and I, and I just start writing, like, cut the script, how can we fix it, casting, that kind of stuff, and then start recording, shooting, and then, you know, make it a project and edit, and color, and all that stuff that you do after that. Oh, my God, that, that sounds like a lot of work. It what is are, work. What are some problems then you've had while making movies, and, and how did you fix them, you know? As as far as I um under as as far as I understand, you make you you develop like a script kind of thing, like a draft. Uh, it depends. It, it really depends on the project. It depends, uh, the, what what the the project calls for, right? Uh, depend. Sometimes people think that the material that they write is great. Sometimes they it ain't right. So uh, at the time that I took these two particular plays that, that I have my back, Pay You Bill and Pagans, they were not uh, like this. The, the idea of Pay You Bill was good, but the delivery of the script was not great. So you have to kind of, what the problem, what, how can I solve these problems of the script? So you can solve it through acting, you gotta get directors, you, the actors bring new ideas. Sometimes I rehearse and the actors give me new ideas and we incorporate that into the, 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 the project. Sometimes the script is weak, so you have to fix it with editing. You have to fix it with uh, nice montages of music. or uh, So you have to patch things up. Whatever the, so if the script is weak, so we have to create either new scenes or we have to create a sequence that is going to tear up together. It's like depends on the, every project calls for something different, right? Uh, for example, I'm, do, I'm, I'm doing a, a documentary around the world called Sueña. Sueña, and, all right. Yeah, so we're still working on that. And but it's this complexities, right? I have to go to Japan because the Japan nobody's getting paid. The Japanese guys were in trouble here, or 
So I, I will have to go to Japan and just shoot everything in Japan. All the interviews, all the stuff in a hotel that I did and people all that. In Los Angeles, I have this problem that one of the people that I'm working with, she's not replying to my text messages because I'm not a Steven Spielberg. So <laughs> what, what are we going to do, right? Like, how yeah. can we deal with this person? What's the problem? So I already thought some ideas. Okay, we work with the existing footage that we have and we do something else. So we're going to – there's always a way, alternative way to figure it out. So every project had its specific needs for, for the comedy. We have this lead actress right here. We have another actress who was not this guy, the, the guy you see in the back. His name is AC Peterson. He works with uh, recently with Sylvester Stallone in the series Tulsa King. And it was an honor for me to direct. And he worked with uh, Ray Liotta from Goodfellas and stuff like that. So I have another actress, but she was not strong enough to opposite guy, this guy who, who worked with legends like Ray Liotta, uh, Jackie Chan, right? So I can't put yeah. anybody. So I worked with Sabrina Nappet in another project. And she's super talented. So I have to replace the actress. And, and the option of replacing Sabrina was great. It cost me like almost a, a, a lawsuit. And somebody was complaining that I was sexually harassing her. But uh, it ended up working. My DOP deal with the other person. And we talked to, and then finally we were able to get Sabrina. It was the best decision we could do because Sabrina is a super talented person and definitely brought the quality to the project that it was required so, all right some right. examples of uh how we handle things on a daily basis sometimes uh there's an attitude problem sometimes there's the sound guy didn't show up oh, i got a sorry i have a cold cold so all the things that i get the most last minute sorry Orlando, i'm coughing today and i cannot make it <coughs> so you were fine yesterday and today you can make it yeah or, just calling sick yeah uh, the actors that oh I'm junior right now so I can do you project but it counts because you you are an independent filmmaker and sometimes you cannot afford to pay uh, union fees or non-union fees so these people when they see it like for free they don't take it seriously some people do and then sometimes they try to compensate uh, have a budget to compensate my actors and my crew or have the person who is financing the project to put some money so the people is engaged and compromised with the project because that's one of the problems that we have Maybe. yeah a hundred percent and i believe that's a problem in any field not only in, in filmmaking although i think in filmmaking it's it could be a, a bigger problem you know like it, since since you said it, it, it's not easy to replace actresses or it's not easy to replace actors so when they come up with with these excuses or or they really get sick then it would be it'd be a bit tough it depends also the the, the actors so it depends uh, or the kind of like when I would say when I'm, I'm I'm now I'm doing a um, uh, um, a project with a trans person. I'm not an activist, like kind of stuff. But we're doing a very interesting process teaching this uh, working with this trans group that I decided to make a project with to teaching how to fil filmmakers. I was trying to explain to this trans person that the differences of directing actors. Every actor is has a different style, so you have to understand what actor brings to the table, right? Um, there's a filmmaker called Robert Brisson, uh, one of my favorite, I have all my favorite directors there, but one of the, I have uh, like 20 directors that I love. And one is uh, Robert Brisson. Robert Brisson was known to do like keyholes and work with like small things. You never see what was going on. He focused on the hands. So, but he worked with actors and he called them models. Basically, 
non-actors. So he just do an action, but he was not looking like an emotional response from the actor, just an action. Because, I, but that was his style of filmmaking. So sometimes you bring, and the actors bring, uh, some actors need more coaching, you give them that. Sometimes you tell them, Sabrina, give me 30% of that. I want this line like that. And then just do this. And she knows exactly what you're talking about. She's a professional. When people don't know, you have to coach them, you have to bring them, you have to kind of see what you got. And then it's like training. I'm a personal trainer on the side. And, okay. uh, and, and, and it's like the same thing. It's just you transfer the skills from that area and transfer them to the other field, right? All right. What, 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 I don't train like other trainers. I don't have like a program. I have a system, my system of training, but what I do is Dina there. No, 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 she's not. No, I'm just, I'm just uh, looking yeah. at that. How many people do we have? Uh, we have um, 20 on TikTok, 60 on Instagram, and 15 on YouTube. Okay, so cool. far, yeah. So, so it's, it's like, okay, my client has these issues. Okay, that by the Sports Sciences from Colombia, as you know. Yeah. And I started actually with, and I, no, I didn't see classes with Dina. I was, that was, I was before Dina. Dana, sorry. So if this person has a set of challenges, okay. So there's a mobility issue, there's a mobility. So, and then just which techniques do you use to solve the problems? Because basically anything in life, as Stanley Kubrick used to say on his recordings is pro, so, pro, uh, solving problem. What's your problem, uh, Professor Anand? You try to solve the literacy problem with a lot of people that take your classes. Right, like the people yeah. love your classes and you pronounce it, and they, they have a pronunciation grammar issue. Or uh, so, what you're trying to do with these things that you're doing is to uh, help them advance their career and their life and by teaching in English. So, what you're doing in, in essence is solving a problem. So, it's the same thing in film, the same thing in fitness is problem solving. It's just uh, if you're good solving any specific issue, you're gonna be good at your job, whatever that is. Yeah. That's true. That a hundred percent. So in 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 that in that sense of of problem solving, I I guess how do you make sure that your movies are actually cool? They look cool, like, and they they will have an audience. How when you're like in in the process of writing the script, or I don't know what how the process is, what the order is. How do you make sure that at the end it would be like a cool outcome, and um, and, and, and and that it all it would also be profitable. You would get, I don't know, enough money, or, or does does money affect you, like uh, uh, when you're planning? I am a DGC member. I'm a member of the Directors Guild of Canada since a year, um, but so that helps with my budget. Uh, film is a process of love. It's a love for the art. It's not something that you have to be. Um, you're gonna be rewarded. It's very, very extremely difficult process. Anybody in essence, can sit behind a camera and say action. Stuff like that, have a cool pose, say action. But uh, there's a number of complex elements that you have to be kind of, like, there's a signature. Like you see a painter, a Da Vinci, a Van Gogh, they have a signature, uh, Goya. You, they have a specific way they do things. And that's happened with directing too. Directing has had your, you, you look at a Hitchcock film and it has a signature of all the trademarks of Alfred Hitchcock or 
uh, that's why people go and see their movies because they're expecting this trademark or uh, aspects of a personality of the directors that they put into the films that are very personal, the Scorsese's, the Giraldos, <coughs> the, 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 I just, there was a joke, right? The, the Giraldos is my last name. <laughs> Anyways, so um, I'm not in the process. I will say when I met Jim a couple of years ago, and we started talking about um, our interview about how you start, how do you immigrate, all that stuff. Uh, I think that was a different self. I think you have to grow within your um, process. And you have, it's a self-discovery. So the first film for me, Clash, which I love, Clash is my love project and it comes from my heart. I get everything that I have with Clash. Is like that, was, my that was actually coming in our following question. So it, 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 can you tell us a bit more about Clash or, or me, you know, about a movie you liked? Yeah. Yeah. Let me finish with the, this so you, I can give you like the, the, the I can complete the, the analogy that I'm trying to come to. All right. All right. Yeah. yeah. I, when I did Clash, I stand behind a monitor. So basically, you're, you're in a monitor, you can just look at the actors and you don't know what you're looking at. So you don't know who you are. Okay. So the question at the time was can I do this? Right. And I'm willing to give everything I have, which I did. I money, I didn't have money to pay my rent, all this. I did. And I was and, and, and it was very hard for me to say that critically. It's a very raw, the first film was a very raw emotion. I did this with my heart, whatever writing I got. So it was very emotional for me to let this film out and knowing that I, I can do it. So you discover that and then you start developing your own signature. I don't know what my signature is. I just like to um, sit and people enjoy what I do. Like, oh, you know what? I enjoy that. That's what I... I'm a viewer. You become a viewer, and I don't know, I may have some, uh, I like visual storytelling, as you can see in the back, it's a visual storytelling. Like I'm not, uh, this comedy is about visual humor and and um, um, satire. It's a satire and visual humor. So I'm a visual person, or I don't read books as much. I'm a visual person, so okay. I tell stories from the point of view of what you see, and then the, the other elements around that, that's probably, we'll say that's my style. Uh, I base my style mostly on all those guys in the back, so I, 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 so I have a problem. They're like my consultants. Okay, how Stanley will direct this? How uh, Akira Kurosawa will do that? So I just kind of consult with that, and then, but that's sort of my process. I, I'm kind of more like I would say classic, uh, yeah. old-fashioned yeah. filmmaker because I'm based on Stan. I have a lot of Stanley Kubrick or some Wells. So I have elements, Jean-Luc Goudard, who recently passed away. So I have those elements of them, and I use those, and I combine it, and I put my own sensitivities to it. That's probably my style. Like All it. right. All right. And why, why did you, coming back to Clash now, that was your first movie. Clash is... Why did you like it so much? What, what was so special on it? The fact that it was the, the first one, or, or what made it so special? Basically, what, the reason what I made Clash was... Um, I was working with another filmmaker, which I'm not going to name, because we're not we're good friends, but I'm trying to move on from that. Great friend. Uh, we're not talking at the moment for now. But um, it was, it, I was not happy with the... I was trying to go along with the process, but there were decisions that he was making that I was not agree. I was very like, oh, no, you, the actors should do this. The actor, I was, so I, I was always interfering in his directing process, but I never liked it. I was never... I was very unhappy, so I just wanted to do like a small scene, two characters and the characters that he created. And he said, no, you can't use that because they are my character. I was like, good. 
So I decided to um, do my own thing. Just write a couple pages. It happened by accident of a little script, basically a little bit on what we did with Dimitri, but he did me to go, that's the guy. And then we, and I based it a little bit on, on, on a few films that I like, Cyborg from the 90s or um, Dr. No, and everybody was asking me, okay, can I be part of that? So everybody was asking me, like, okay, I would love to do a film with you. Oh, and so people started asking me, so I started writing for these people and ended up doing some kind of uh, Reservoir Dogs scene with the, the table around and, you know, the kind of like inspired by Quentin Tarantino and his earlier films, not now, <laughs> especially the first three that they were great after that, I don't know. But, and then became this most, and I started writing one scene, then another, and then became this 18 minutes and 35 seconds of action. Somebody says, uh, one of my former friends, was still friends, but we won't talk too much, he, he said, brother, it's a black guy, directing an action film is very difficult, and it was. And it was very difficult. So I put everything I have, the best cameras, and then I filmed another part of the film to balance the film. And it's special because a lot of that people that I'm working with, that I work in that film, they work with me. My assistant, I have an assistant now, she's part, she was lead actress in Clash. Uh, I'm writing, the lead actor, we're writing a, a script together. One of the crew members, I did the Bella Sueña because of her. So um, some of the people from that crew we still come back. The makeup artist, David Beckham, we're still working after four years. He comes to my friends. Uh, we just did a movie with my, 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 my first AD, uh, Moses and a guy. We've been working four years together. We know each other. And so we're, we're makeup artists. David Beckham has been working with us for four years. So it's like a fam it becomes like a crew family, cats attack. So it's a, that clash has that special thing with most of those people that we work back in. It's a very... Uh, Obviously, my level of the quality of the stuff that I'm doing is much better now. What I feel more proud of than Clash. Clash is good for what it was, but it's like that emotional aspect of um, filmmaking, the raw me. This yeah. is me. Yeah, it's like it's like writing. When you write, for example, my first book, I I I, I still like it, but I I like my I, I like my style better now. Uh, it, it has developed, so I it, suppose it's the same thing. It's it's very similar, I suppose. It's it happens because I remember like the first I live when I used to live in Steamboat Springs in uh, 2001. Steamboat Springs is a ski resort in Colorado. Beautiful. I worked there for a few months, but I not I went and I went to the Colombo Ameri Colombo Americano in Pereira. Like I study English, but they have all this yeah. sort of very way of uh, structure English, which is and they have this free newspaper. I didn't start nothing, so I started writing the bus every day. And uh, start, I didn't know how to write, I didn't know how to read. And that, but I, that experience of writing, uh, I remember I applied for a job here years ago in this, in this place, in a golf course to work as a, 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 as a fitness attendant or something. And they didn't give me the job because I didn't know how to write. And I still I don't know how to write. But I wrote so much that I can write much better in English, probably than in Spanish. So I, I write, I, 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 I write people's, like one thing that happens, I have to write a lot of bios. There's something called the press kit that goes with the, when you, when you submit films to a festival, there's a, they ask you for like a trailer, so I have to sign a trailer. So I know how to design trailers on my brain, because I've done it so many times, like I didn't know how to do it. I want to do this again, I don't know. Can I replicate it? I just do it so much, so much that, that I, 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 I I do it in a very particular way or writing biographies. Like, so people's like me, 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 whiny. So I have this writer that, that actually the author of this 
of this um, um, of um, Peggy Bill, she has like, I lost my husband, I lost my house. I, I was like, come on, it's a drag. And I was, I have to re-edit her bio. Her last name is bio, by the way, but <laughs> I was telling my assistant, this is a drag, I can't read this. So I have to rewrite her bio to make it more interesting, to make it like less, I hate whiny people, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, me, yeah, yeah. my house, my husband, yeah, yeah. we all have problems. We all yeah. work, we got injured, we have neck issues, you know. 100%, yeah. Anyways, things like that. Like, so you become yeah. better at doing it. Practice, practice makes master. They say, "All right, yeah, it, yeah." Moving on, moving on with the last question before we change topic. Uh, Orlando, what advice would you give to someone who wants to make movies and it's barely starting or hasn't started yet? Well, here's the thing. The part, like, uh, I, I'm going to put an example before moving on to the next topic. I just uh, recently met this very nice lady from Colombia. Uh, she was talking, Orlando, we have to make my book. And then, and then and the, it was a very interesting, it's a love story. And I'm like sitting right there and she insists so much that we met and we talk. And then uh, we sat and I was like, thank you for that. So I asked her, what's the lock line? Lock line is at the, like you read a DVD or something. It's like two phrases that says, Johnny Perez has health issues. And he has to resort to extreme measures to get the money to pay his treatment. So you, that, that's the lock line. And she couldn't tell me the lock line. Okay, good. So the first thing is, the first question is, what do you want on your life? That's the first question that you have to do because this requires commitment. So somebody that I really like right now, we talk and everything, she, she's exploring. So you have to explore and discover what that is for you. So if you if you discover that you enjoy the process, keep exploring it. You have to do something. Anyways, if it is something artistic, if you do something that you love, you spend hours, spend four days in these two projects, four days from 6 a.m. to, well, not every day, but I, I, I work in these things for hours yeah. to correct this, to correct that, because I love the art, and that's me. And it took me years to realize that, so I always... When I was in school, I felt always different. Not in that way, not in the way that you think I'm a straight guy, but I felt that I was not the guy who plays soccer or this or that. Yeah, I was yeah, yeah. Back. And then you have to understand who you are. Like it takes time. If you can discover that as a young age or something, better. But yeah, just start making recording and start doing things. Don't ask for the question is just, just do it. If you like it or not, you know, explore. Creativity will eventually kick off, I'd say. Yes, creativity. Like it's funny because it's funny that you're saying that because it does um, doing creative things, open things that you can imagine. I can sit now, grab my guitar, and I start like I'm not a great guitar player. I'm not a. I'm, I'm absolutely clumsy <laughs> with my guitar. You know, I'm not like a, you know. They, <laughs> I don't know, whatever guitar, Jimmy Page or anything like that, or Paco de Lucia, whatever. But I can sit in my guitar and I can create um, a line in the, in the bass or the guitar. But it opens up, it's incredible how these things open up your creativity. You open, yeah. so this is get to that, but you do this creative stuff so much that you can do other things like play music or 
like, oh my God, I can draw, I can do this. And you're discovering that is a common thing. Is you do something creative, you can become creative in other ways. So you never thought possible. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Well, that's a really uh, good advice. Thanks a million for that. Uh, now let's switch gears a little bit and talk about Canada. What about, uh, what are some of the biggest uh, cultural differences you noticed when you first moved from Colombia to Canada? And that's how did you how did you adapt? Was it easy? How was the process? You love this thing about moving out to another country, huh? You are like this oh, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do, I do indeed. I've lived in a couple of countries yeah. now, and, and and I'm willing to, um, to move to a different one. I mean, it's it's like I think I've been half of my life in this country, so it's very me. It's difficult for me to answer that question. And then the Colombia that. I met is not the same Colombia that is right now. So I went okay. to Colombia to a year and a half ago. It's like I was beautiful. Oh, I never saw the mountain look that the Cerro or the noodle look that beautiful or this or that. I look at it as a difference. So I am a blend. You become a blend from where you live. Yeah. Um when I got here, I was yeah, I was the Colombian guy. I hello, I'm the Colombian guy, and then I raised my accent because I can't speak that, you know. And you try to do everything to kind of erase that kind of culture. On my case, at the time, I love my country. I love being Colombian. This cultural quirks that you have, I mean, you just go with the flow. I mean, it's just here English. There's a what I remember particularly is in this particular country. There's a lot of cultures. So I remember like a freshman coming to Canada and, uh, in, in, and I will listen my ears like in Colombia at the time, not now. In Colombia, there's a lot of Mexicans and foreigners right now and Muslims and very diverse country right now, Colombia. But here, yeah. you, in, every in every corner, you'll be Polish and the other corner will be French and another country will be Parsi and another country will be Urdu. You're like, what the heck is this? But you think it's like, tell my dad, it's like Canada used to be so as this sort of paradise but it's, it's not true Canada is just another country they have this sort of policy yes mr trudeau um oh, he's probably listening to me right now hopefully i'm gonna get in trouble mr mr trudeau right now oh. um yeah now we have to watch um so you become a fresh and you think everybody's nice in canada so i used to I remember going to the store can i use your phone because at the time they were not they were flip phones and stuff like that and people, yeah sure so canadians are nice but it's not true it's like any country there's good, bad people, there's bad people. People ask me sometimes, they still, yes, they still here. They just stole my $2 carpet from my door. Just from my oh door. My <laughs> $2 carpet in Canada. Like you ask me, what's the difference? Well, there's just people speak different language, but there's crazy people here. There's uh, stabbings and there's people shooting guns in the big malls here. But people, the difference is that there's more quiet in here. In Colombia, it's like, hey, blah, blah, but here's more like quieter. But that's, that's those, there's still bikes in here. Drivers are terrible. Like it's, it's just another place in another country. And you kind of get used to it. It's a little bit quieter. And then you can kind of, uh, that Colombia is more like you have to be, they have this kind of pacey sort of rhythm because everybody has a this sort of, uh, Colombia has changed, but it's still like sort of this kind of like third world country kind of, uh, feeling to it because the government long thinks days. yeah long days a little bit of the safety but that has changed a lot but still like that you have to watch you can have your this like, yeah. something something like that but it's like there's nice things about colombia and here 
you know, it was like, but I'm from yeah, here. Definitely, yeah, definitely. It's the same here in Ireland. Uh, people, you also see things here in Ireland. It's, it's a, uh, kind of a secure country, but you will still see thieves oh, yeah. and you will still see, you know, some of these uh, dark things that, that they all talk about and they all think it's only in Colombia, but no. It's it's all around the world. Like you'll see that all all over the globe. Yeah. So I remember going. I went to Paris. I was in Europe in 2007. That was my first trip to Europe. And um, remember, I never seen a McDonald's. There was I was I was in in in, in close to Montmartre in Paris, the Republican district in Paris. If you people are familiar with Paris, and it's all these Africans. I'm not saying that being Africans wrong. I have a lot of African friends, and I love them, but I never seen a McDonald's with a security guard. Okay, I I I, I never seen one as either. Paris, in Paris is crazy. So even if you get on the airport in Charles de Gaulle, still happen. Taken like it's an example of that. Like the movie Taken with Liam Neeson is about that. Like they, they the daughter of Liam Neeson in the movie comes to Charles de Gaulle Airport in Paris, and they and, and they're in the airport. They 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 they, they uh, kidnap her and then. I have a special set of skills. And then that's where the movie taking happens. It's because of precisely what happens in Paris. So oh. everywhere. Yeah, a hundred percent. A hundred percent, yes. All right. And can you tell us about some Canadian traditions or customs that might be unfamiliar to people from other countries? For example, in Ireland, we have the Pancake Tuesday. Uh, there is a Tuesday just before before uh it was actually i think last week or two weeks ago and it's a it's a pancake tuesday where all the country eats uh pancakes well canada is canada has different i mean he, they celebrate everything the irish celebrate like even the stores is like christmas finish there's like valentine's day and then it's like uh st patrick's day so everything is great they change to green and then it's mother's day so you bring flowers and then like it's in this price, so everything is like the kids start acting, you know, all us like it, it's it goes with the fashion. It's they try to be diverse, but like I wouldn't say diverse, I would say divided. It's different. Oh, I don't know, there's no specific like the you know, the, the Christmas and the skates and the snow, you know, that sort of North American kind of living and and poutine, which is fried fries with the potato and you go to Quebec or Quebec and you eat poutine in Quebec. You have to eat your poutine in Quebec. The best poutine is not that kind of poutine. It's, it's a basically like stew and, okay. and, 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 and fries and, um, and, and, and sausages. And then just, and then you eat that, you know, like, that's a it's a Quebecois kind of uh, food, but you know, like the normal thing here, like they go for brunch on Sunday, you go to restaurants and all the services are sitting right there. You have like expensive, well-packaged, small breakfast and you call it brunch. So it's, uh, Something similar to the Irish, full Irish breakfast. Not very, yeah. <clears throat> a country that is very different is Japan. I was in Japan and that was like lifetime changing experience. That, that you want to see a different country, Japanese. It will change your life forever. You want to see a, the, 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 the American countries are the same, but there's a difference though. Like I happened to me during COVID. Do, you, do we have time for for? Uh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, we have loads of time. Don't worry about it. I see you looking at the monitor. <laughs> 
Okay. No, it's just that I'm making sure at all the cameras. We are three different cameras at the moment, so I'm just yeah. making sure everything is working. So I, I went. Uh, <clears throat> no, I went to see my, my nephew is in Johns Hopkins. Johns Hopkins is a very famous university in Baltimore. It's okay. Waiting on May 25th, and I'm gonna go with him. It's, it's like eight hours, eight hours away from here. So I went to. I went there, and. Uh, for like the test and COVID happened to me also when I went to Japan, I lost like two days of COVID testing, that kind of stupid stuff. So it happened the same there. I couldn't get into the plane because they were changing the airline was normal. So I have to go to Washington DC, take the Greyhound bus, go to Niagara Falls, Canada and cross the bridge by foot. And that was, a, and, and there is a difference. And there's a huge difference culturally in the States and Canada. Canada is a little bit more relaxed, and that's true. In the States, you're sitting in the bus, the people is like, there's like this, you're seeing the bus, all this tension in the bus. When you cross the bridge, I was like, Whoa. I miss Canada so much, you know, in spite, like there's not sometimes nice things, but there's like more tension. People is more tense to stay in Canada is a little bit more chill. There's a, probably a cold life in Canada. And when I cross the bridge, you can feel the difference. Oh right, yeah, it happens to me as well when I when I go to Spain, you can feel the difference right away. Like like Ireland is really calmed, and when I go to Spain, I just feel the heavy traffic. For example, traffic jams, people beeping at me. It's just 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 really, yeah, really really over here. People don't beep, not not as much. Like I've never only in Dublin maybe once twice, but where I live. People don't beep. So when I go when I go to Spain, for example, I go to Spain quite often, and I go to you to the UK quite often as well. Then I find this this very strange because I'm not used to it anymore. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's sort of the difference. People is that like they, they, I I have I don't know if you heard the term road rage. Road rage no. is when you're driving, you get very tense. Oh right, no no no, I've never heard that before. Road rage and you start like. Fighting with all the drive happened many times in, a, in the past, and I, I, you will do crazy things. <laughs> but that that, that would happen to me a lot in Colombia. It used to happen to me a lot in Colombia. The problem with Colombia is like the 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 people like a lot of like Colombia receives a lot of money because a lot of Colombians are in other countries and they send yeah. money, so they keep the economy flowing. But what happens is like the poor soldiers and. They have a lot of like you're driving a car and there's like a the the, the army is somewhere and they uh, stop the car. Oh, paper! They try to search some kind of an extra income because the people doesn't have any any means to um, for the not cheap life that they want. You know? Yeah, that's it's true. Yeah, that's the difference. All right, Orlando. Coming back now to your to your field, uh, what makes your movies different from other people's movies, and how do you make your movies uh, stand out? Like, uh, why should I should we watch your movies instead of other people's movies? I don't know if 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 I'm clear with the question. Honestly, yes, you're clear. It's very simple. You can't. I think you cannot live thinking about that because that's that will take away from your creative process. I think you have to be something that at first you do a movie because you want to make a movie, right? Uh, you, you put two pieces of film, a digital film together and then you get the thrill of editing. Like that's a very like something I enjoy a lot is editing, like just putting things together. And 
I just want to do things because I want to see them. You know, I want to, I want to, I want to watch and I want to be the audience. I, I still watch Pay Your Bill and I love my head off with whether well, the acting, the actor is so good in Pay Your Bill. It wasn't for some time. They had to make some changes to complement that uh, thing. But I want to do things that I enjoy watching and that's my principle. So, and I think um, you have to have, you have to be able to have your vision, like the key of being a director, it, you have to develop that is, that you, you have to be able to transmit your vision and put it in the screen. That is a very difficult thing to do because anybody can see it in direct, but that's that's the key. You have a particular style and then you have to, I can't define what makes me different. Because I'm it's not. It's like a gift maybe? I don't know. It's everybody has a. You're gifted, I, I'd say. I am not, I, I, I'm not gifted. I think I just love what I do and I put love and what I put, I work 110% because I love the art so much. And I think what people see in what I do is the love, the dedication that I put in what I do. And that's probably what you see in the film is I make movies with love and make things with my heart, with my soul, love. And that's what I put, that's, that's the core essence that I put in my, in my work is love. Is, and that probably is imprinted and people can see that you can see it because I'm, I'm a transparent i try to be as transparent as possible so i think that, that, that definitely brings that definitely brings uh results a hundred percent yeah yeah so I, I try to be honest and i try to have um like all the aspects of film have an honest to it and that's probably what i try to do like a copy of the reality but honest because film is an interpretation of reality. Yeah. yeah. And then you put your take on it. So you put the love in the take and people can see that, that you're honest and then you have a truth and then you can pass that vision that you have. And what do you hope people learn or feel after watching your movies? Do you, do you, do you expect them to, to have some takeaways from your movies? Um, the film is called Suspension of Disbelief. So what I want people to do when they, when they watch my films or my projects is like, for the next 20, 30 minutes, you forget about the world because that's what the movies are. Movies are uh, uh, not to, um, not to um, patronize people in life. They just go have a good time. Like the problem with a lot of films right now, Hollywood especially, with all this, some of the studios, is that they are forgetting a narrative. They try to, um, they try to patronize the public in certain indoctrinations and ideas that, okay, whatever that is, they just go with the trend. They don't try to entertain people anymore. They try to patronize people, but the people is not stupid. I always say, like Alfred Hitchcock used to say, you have to respect your audience. I always try to respect my audience. I never insult them. I always listen to them. I was just just on the screen and listen to my audience. Okay, what do you want? How are you gonna improve? Uh, I listen to all ideas and I put those ideas in there and whatever interpretation of what they watch is their own interpretation of it. I may have an intention, but I let the movies breathe and everyone who watched the, the film can have their own interpretation. Like Clash people, oh, we like the fights. We like. I like some acting, but we love the fights. Some people tell me that they like the fights. They were like, 
this and that. That was the takeaway from, oh, that was good. I like it. I enjoy it. And then just go there for 80 minutes and 30 seconds and enjoy. That's what is entertainment. And if you get something out of it, awesome. 100%. Yes, that's a great point. All right. Thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today. Before we wrap up, can you tell us about any upcoming projects you have in the works and what we can expect to see from, from you in the future, if it's possible, obviously? Yeah. Um, <coughs> do we clash? I'm thinking to do like a re uh, launch the film and do some behind scenes and stuff like that. I'm working on that. I, I haven't put it, put it publicly yet. I, maybe I should soon. Uh, we have two projects uh, that just we just put in a, in a famous festival today. I don't want to say the name of the festival, but we're very confident and uh, we're working these two projects. One is Pagans and Pay You Bill, mostly in Pay You Bill because we have the actor war with Sliced Alone, um, Tulsa King. Uh, and the product that we have is, is solid. The other one is Pagans, which is about two students of law school who also go to law school, but at the same time are in crime. So that's also an exciting project. Uh, not as good as Pagan, but it's just different. People, it's entertainment. So some people like this, about like Black Lives Matter, that kind of stuff. And Sueña in 2020, the first feature coming in 2024, Sueña. Uh, we have to finish that this year. So that's what we're focusing on. And there's uh, the, the Japan trilogy, which is three films that we show in Japan, Play to Station, um, The Neighbor, and Reincarnation. So it's only a, a package of three films that we make in Japan that we're gonna finish uh, sometime this year. But are they gonna are they going to be released in in Japan? Uh yeah, that's another thing. So we have to do oh, this another ball game. So we have to go Japanese. And, there are some in Japanese, but we already have the translations. Some of the stuff. Oh. Uh, the other one is in English. Um, it's called The Neighbor. It's about a jakutsa. Okay. Um, I protected witness and reincarnation is about samurai film. Uh, that I wrote, wrote um, around 20 years ago, <laughs> but oh. we are the same. And the Taito Station is a more surrealist. I call it used to call the key, but I call it Taito Station because there's this play in Tokyo called Taito Station, which is like video games and stuff like that. Like, you know, that's a good thing for a film. So it's a very surrealistic thing. It's about trains, about putting love. It's a very interesting uh, film. So it's going to be Japanese and English. It's a silent modern film. It's very interesting. We're shooting that this month. That's so it would cool. it would have it would have subtitles I believe uh, Japanese subtitles yeah. or the the purpose of Taito Station is not um it's a silent film it's a okay. it's like it's like you're you're watching what's okay. going on with this person it does not it's not about the dialogue it's like the dialogue is incidental but you see what this guy has been through like what the question is what's reality. Am I dreaming? And I live, and I'm in a new universe. It's all these questions that I mean. Is a comedy? Is surrealistic? I don't know what it's gonna be, but we shot something in Japan. When I shoot that here, it's about sleeping and waking up and normal T universe. That's been like overly used, but I, I like. It's a sort. I will say surrealistic take on reality. All right, all right. That sounds that sounds amazing. We can't wait to see it. Then okay, will, will will we be able to see it in Ireland, for example? Or would people be able to see it in Colombia or just just Japan and Canada? I'll, I don't know. We'll see. We're working on it. Sometimes you, okay. you want to do something, it takes time to do. Like the reason I have the beers because I have to shut Taito Station. 
Okay. I have to do it probably the end of the month because we're doing all this project. I don't know. Uh, I may be working on other projects. Sometimes things that you want to do, they delay. You know, I, I was nothing yeah. to wait. Uh, like Sueña has been like three years, so it depends. I'm waiting for somebody to hire me maybe for a project. We'll see what happens. You never know. Yeah, 100%. That sounds amazing. We can't wait to see it again. Thank you again, Orlando, for joining us today and sharing your experiences with us. And please uh, stay with me before we finish. Uh, we'll be wrapping up right now. I don't know if you want to say bye to the audience. And Thank you. Whoever is watching, may the birds be with you.